dies. Yeah. Spoiler alert for up. <laughs> um, it's good that you get the spoiler in after doing the spoiler. That's the important bit. Well, yeah. Hello, and welcome to Stream of Consciousness, a radio program made possible through 90.3 KRNU. I'm Ben Kula, I'm your host. Today, I'm talking with Connor. Hey, Connor. Hi, Ben. <laughs> so, Connor's my friend. Uh, he's an engineering major, but we're not talking about engineering today, are we? No, because engineering makes me sad. Yeah, it sure does. Makes me sad, too, <laughs> and I'm not even that major. Um, so, what we will be talking today is sound, audio, music. Connor is a big movie watcher. Yes. And one of the most important parts of movies that sometimes gets neglected is the actual soundtrack of the movie. Yes, I I always I always feel like the thing with like a good movie soundtrack is that a good movie soundtrack, at least from the view of like the studio, should like go unnoticed, which is incredibly criminal, but also kind of true. Yeah, it's it's a delicate balance of like you need a. You need your music to like sound good and to tell your to help tell the story the movie's trying to tell. But if it's distracting, you're detracting from the from the actual movie. Yeah, it should accompany rather than draw attention right, to itself. Right, right. Um. So, and that's that's something that it's just yeah, it's, it's a it's a hard balance for. Uh, for composers and there are some composers that do it really really well uh john williams shout out to the goat yeah uh john williams is phenomenal the best film composer uh in my opinion they're also a big hans zimmer fan fan as well i'm a big hans zimmer fan but he's not uh he's not quite uh the level of like john williams I don't listen to, like, a lot of John Williams in my free time. I listen to a lot more Hans Zimmer. Mm -hmm. But Hans Zimmer also doesn't do, like, uh, he doesn't use, like, light motifs to help tell his story. Um, he's he's more like a, like a sonic texture kind of guy. He makes good music, but not good storytelling music. Yeah. Yeah, not necessarily. He, he'll sometimes have themes, but a lot more it's more about creating a mood or an emotion that accompanies the scene and fits right with the scene uh as opposed to john williams who has little little snippets to represent actual things in the story and he'll use those to try and help develop uh or he'll like develop them alongside the characters or whatnot as the story is progressing you also uh said a, a word back there and i and I honestly don't know what you're talking about. Leitmotif was like just something you kind of threw in there. Yeah, but his whole shtick is leitmotifs, mm. uh, which is a German word, I'm pretty sure. It's basically a little piece of music that represents a person, place, thing, or idea. It's like a musical noun, kind of. Okay. Um, and so what you... The, the role that leitmotifs can play in, like, uh, storytelling and, like, uh, film music is you have yourself, like, a little little snippet of music that represents a character or an idea in your film. And then from there, 
you kind of you play with it as the story develops. You can use it to uh, to kind of try and help inform the audience about a character's decision. You can use it to kind of uh, you can shape it, recontextualize it to fit the kind of development a character is going through. Um, you can change you can change all sorts of stuff about it, and it's really small and modular, which is what allows um, composers like uh, like John Williams a lot of freedom. I mean, John Williams. The reason John Williams is the greatest is because he's scored all the Star Wars movies, right? Yep. Including the sequels. Now, the sequel trilogy of Star Wars movies is not planned out. You can have whatever thoughts you want about like the quality of them, but it's very clearly a reactionary trilogy. They yeah. started with one that was a rehash of an old one. The second one was a reaction to the feedback they got on the first one. And then the third one was re- was reaction to feedback they got on the second one. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, so they had no idea where they were going to take the story for those movies, mm-hmm. which meant John Williams, the composer of these three movies, also did not know where the story was going. Yeah. And so he had to write, he wrote light motifs for Ray, for Kylo Ren, um, for, you know, different, different characters and whatnot, and then just added enough into those light motifs and those themes to where no matter which way the story went, he could account for it. Hmm. And then when the story did go those ways, he was able to account for it because he had that much freedom in it. Yeah. And there's obviously like more than just personal character leitmotifs. Like there's the classic, the, the force. That's a that's a great uh, that was actually something that I was also thinking of when I was ex- explaining. It's like uh, every like there there's that iconic in the in the first Star Wars movie uh, episode four, the mm. first Star Wars. Um, there's the there's the binary sunset theme, where Luke is looking off into the distance on Tatooine, and you have the two suns uh, setting on the horizon. Yeah, and the music that accompanies that is. Uh, is the force theme. Yeah. And that's used to kind of inform you that Luke is going, is kind of struggling with the decision. He's like, do I leave home? Do I go on this adventure with Obi-Wan? And that force theme is playing to let you know that the force is guiding him to go on to this adventure. Yeah. That's the role that music plays. Telling the audience what is going to happen whilst not showing them what's going to happen. Right. To be fair, that wasn't how it was initially written. But through... Because Star Wars was never supposed to get a sequel. Um, but through, you know, extra entries into the, into the franchise and multiple viewings, people have, like... That's how people have interpreted it. And that that piece of music has been redefined to be the Force theme, so... That's what that scene is conveying. Yeah. And I'm sure that was not only just a change in, well, we weren't planning a sequel, but this was a prevalent theme. We're going to now use it in these other locations yeah. to then 
tie it all together. Yeah. Because that's the purpose of a leitmotif. Right. That leitmotif initially belonged to Obi-Wan. And so uh, an initial uh, interpretation of that scene could be he's thinking about going on this trip with Obi-Wan. But then, uh, spoiler alert for uh, the first Star Wars, (laughs) Obi-Wan dies. And uh, so when you get a sequel and you want to represent the Force, you all all of a sudden have this very prevalent theme that never got used, or that won't get used in the sequels because Obi-Wan isn't there. But Obi-Wan was like the only connection we really had to the Force, at least least to the light side of the Force. Yes, in A New Hope. So John Williams was like, well, I can use that to my advantage, and starts using it as the Force theme. And now today it's the Force theme. Yeah. And it shows up all the time in Star Wars media. Yeah. Especially in the new ones, but that's because people, that's because the studio knows people like that theme, not necessarily because it fits. So does that mean there's a bad use of leitmotifs? I mean, if it's a, if it's a nice narrative connection. Yeah. What's the problem with using it? Well, so you can have music that people like. But if it doesn't fit in the narrative, it it's more distracting. Or the th- the thing that really bothers me is when it feels like it's like I'm being pandered to. Mm. Um, when I know, or when I can just tell that there was some sound editor, music editor, whoever was like, or the director was like, I want this song here, and the composer was probably like well, it doesn't fit narratively. And they'll be like, I don't care. I want it here. Yeah. Or the studio will be like, use this song more because we know people will like it. Yeah. And it's like, that's not really, it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit the the tone. It doesn't fit the story. So don't, don't put it there. But they do anyway, because directors tend to have more say in it. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know if I notice it as much in Star Wars, but I also haven't watched the new ones as much as I've watched like some other movies. Yeah. And that's not something that I don't have anything that immediately comes to mind for like misuse of leitmotifs because that's something you have to kind of be paying attention to. Right. Yeah. The, uh, the only, the only prevalent example that I can think of is... It, well, it, it was what ruined the the Wonder Woman sequel for me. That, okay. Uh, oh, if, I guess leitmotif theme. We're getting into Hans Zimmer territory now. Okay. Because he, uh, he, uh, <coughs> excuse me. He wrote the music uh, in, uh, in the Wonder Woman sequel as well as the music from the movie that he pulled music from to put into the Wonder Woman sequel. But he didn't pull it from the first Wonder Woman movie. So we're also talking about DC. So Yes. Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. Right. And I happen to know the movie you tend to be re-watching constantly. Which one is that? The Schneider Cut of the Justice League. <laughs> Yeah. Does uh, it happen to be that one? No, that's that's actually not oh. that's not where he's pulling from. He's actually pulling from a far worse movie 
uh, a movie that is a way more of a chore to watch. It's shorter, but it feels longer. This is Batman. This would be Batman v Superman. Is where where a lot of the the first musical uh, ideas for the the DC movies have come from. That's where the Wonder Woman theme theme came from. Uh, it's where Lex Luthor's theme came from, which hasn't been used since then. I don't think. Uh, but the the big one is that Wonder Woman theme. And then there was also a theme for Batman or Bruce Wayne, one of the two. Um, it plays at the very beginning of the movie. We get to watch Batman's origin story again. It's all slow and beautiful. Like, it's beautifully shot. Mm-hmm. And the music is, like, really, really haunting. And I have examined that music in depth because it's basically just descending a minor scale and then descending a minor scale in thirds which i always interpreted as uh because it's playing over batman's origin story his parents getting murdered i've always taken that to be like a musical representation of bruce wayne's descent into madness spoilers for batman by the way oh yeah spoilers for that i'm sorry yes yes i'm sorry that's a big spoiler yeah um beginning of (laughs) batman v superman batman's parents die um but that that particular song I've like uh I've taken to represent like Bruce Wayne's descent into darkness, descent into uh I, this descent into Batman pretty much his his uh you know his inner demons or whatever that causes him to be Batman. Yeah. And then Wonder Woman 1984 came out. I didn't love that movie. That movie's not that good. Uh, <laughs> hot take, I know. But uh, big words from someone who likes the Snyder Cut. <laughs> you haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen any of this. I do like to give you crap. Yeah, though. yeah. You you haven't you haven't seen the Snyder Cut and you haven't seen the original cut. Uh, part of why I like the Snyder Cut so much is because it is just the first one was just so much worse, which is hard to hard to fathom how how bad that was but anyway wonder anyway, woman wonder woman 1984 wonder woman, 1984 that the so that was that was just um that was just um what's his name Hans Zimmer that was just Hans Zimmer on that soundtrack okay and the thing that initially bugged me was he didn't use a lot of music from the first wonder woman movie whose soundtrack i love okay but then on top of that in the like emotional climax of wonder woman 1984 we don't get any music from the rest of the movie we don't get any music from the first wonder woman movie we don't get any meaningful wonder woman music we instead get the same thing that played when we watched Batman get orphaned in Batman v Superman, which when I was watching it, it took me a second to realize it. And then I could not focus on the rest of the movie. Mm. I was so distracted. I was like, why would he put it there? Why would he put it like that music? Never never in any DC movie 
which I know them. I've watched all of them. All of them. For better, but mostly for worse. Mostly for worse. Um, that music has never had any connection to Wonder Woman. In in Batman v Superman, Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman doesn't show up until like the last half hour. Yeah. And all she does is fight. Yeah. Batman v Superman, not an especially graceful film. No, at, no, at, not all. at all. Not at all. Not at all. No, no, no. But it did have a kick-ass Wonder Woman theme. And uh, so much so that, like, everybody loves that Wonder Woman theme. So there was a Wonder Woman theme in Batman v Superman. There was. Hans Zimmer wrote it. No. He did. <laughs> he did. He wrote it with Junkie XL, but it was, like, it was mostly him. And I remember watching interviews with him, and he was like, I wanted it to sound like a Banshee's Whale. And it does. Hmm. It's a fantastic theme. And now, granted, all he had to go off of was that Wonder Woman is a strong woman who fights well. So Banshee Scream works pretty well in that movie. Yeah. But when when you're at, like, the emotional climax of a movie, when you're trying to when you're trying to have your hero appeal to the better nature of your villain, that that Banshee's wail doesn't fit tonally. Warrior theme doesn't exactly work. No. You wouldn't be able to use that really to um, to try and sell that emotional moment. But the first Wonder Woman movie did it. The first Wonder Woman movie had one theme to pull pretty much its entire soundtrack from. And it wrote some new music, but a lot of it was pulled from the one song on the Batman v Superman soundtrack for Wonder Woman. Mm. Um, so I don't... It just leaves me baffled again. Why did Hans Zimmer do that? I don't know. I don't know why, I don't know why he made that connection. So we have these, essentially, three competing themes. The original Batman death theme, which caused him to become Batman, from Batman v Superman. Batman v Superman. Wonder Woman's theme, which created creates a more warrior-aggressive vibe to it. And then the Wonder Woman theme from the first Wonder Woman film, which does a decent job at having that emotional appeal and containing all of that is Wonder Woman there. Right. Then in the sequel to the Wonder Woman film, the Batman theme is used rather than anything related to Wonder Woman. Yeah. Um, And I don't... It just doesn't make any sense to me. Does that make any sense to you? It makes sense that it doesn't make sense. (laughs) Because we so often in media, we have these examples of theme and leitmotif that is highly impactful. Like, it's those small details that really help something pack a punch. That's why everyone's favorite scene from Up is so important because, oh God, the old guy and his wife have their love theme that is played throughout that whole opening sequence Mm -hmm. and then in the sad bit it's a variation on that love theme Mm -hmm. that 
is sad in a minor key that causes that feeling everybody gets along with the impactful emotion. So we have this evidence of importance of theme and importance of music. And for someone as respected as Hans Zimmer and with so much experience, because he produced a lot of my favorite uh, movie soundtracks, Prince of Egypt, for example, one of my personal favorites, but someone who has all the experience and they just mess it up. <laughs> yeah. And I don't, again, I don't know why it might, it might be because like he didn't want to use it because, or he, he didn't want to use any music from like the first Wonder Woman movie because he didn't write it. That was a different composer, but he still wrote the original Wonder Woman theme. He still wrote all the music that follows it in like, uh, the track is she with you on the batman v superman soundtrack like that's where wonder woman theme comes from but then there's like that's like a four four and a half minute song on the soundtrack Mm -hmm. there's a lot more to it than just the the part that everybody knows yeah which is what the guy that did the first wonder woman movie pulled from to get the rest of the music for that movie and that's what he pulled from to do more of like the emotional stuff the thing the themes used within that Wonder Woman sound even though it wasn't the Wonder Woman theme yeah and then on top of that um the Wonder Woman theme was written for electric cello which is kind of what gives it that Banshee's Whale kind of feel Mm -hmm. that and it's also written in seven eight I think seven eight time it it drives it's got a feeling it's got a feeling for sure and so then for the first Wonder Woman movie, the composer saturated like the entire soundtrack in cello, mm. which is part of why I love that soundtrack so much. It sounds so different from most other movie soundtracks, especially like big tentpole blockbusters. Because there's also like common themes that tend to go past franchises. Mm-hmm. The most notable one that comes to mind is the DSC Day. I was wondering if you could bring that up. Yeah, DSC Day. Yeah. Uh, there's a class, classic theme that essentially is... From Gregorian chant. Gregorian chant. And it's essentially... It's kind of like the composer's version of the Wilhelm scream. <laughs> yeah. Where essentially you just get... Get the DSE in there to show something bad is about to happen. Most normally someone is going to die. That's typically what uh, what DSERA is used to signify. And I think it's, uh, I don't I don't remember the specific history, but it's like Gregorian chant, it's like, you know, uh, like religious monks. chant, monks, yeah. Typically used to, yeah, signify death or the day of wrath or something, something t- to that nature. And it is, it is often used, um, yeah, often used to signify death, and it's just something that every every composer will will pull out to to use if they need to signify death. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they'll base their entire soundtrack around it. And uh, sometimes it works. Sometimes it works. Yeah. Uh, whoever did the is it Stephen Sondheim? Is that who wrote the the music for Sweeney Todd? Yes. Yeah. Um, Again, second sideways plug. He's got a video all about how DSE Ray shows up in that soundtrack all the time. I don't know the specifics of it. Yeah. But 
it's a man obsessed with death and so everything with like literally every everything has dse ray in it somehow some way yeah and a lot of times it can be like obfuscated like changed to a point where it's not necessarily recognizable outside of the music but it is still in there right it might be inverted to where um the relationships between the notes are like flipped but But it's still there but yeah it's it's still there if you like look at the music and that's one of the fun things that pops up both like sound you hear it you think oh something bad is about to occur but also when it has those musical variations it ends up kind of just being an easter egg for either a very close listener or the composer and a lot of times artists and creatives you kind of just have to make those little little gifts for yourself yeah just be like Oh, yeah, I can justify using DSE right here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put that in. Yeah. Yeah. But. You want to hum it for, for anyone that, or do you want me to hum it for anyone that doesn't know it by heart? Sure. That's the, that's like one line of it. The part that commonly gets referenced is the. Yeah. Because it's how are you talking about the importance of light motifs they have to be short they have to be small they're very modular they're very like it's like a basic building block it's like you know a lego and it's like you build your soundtrack out of different pieces of music but your core is that light motif yeah and it comes up not only just in film but also like video games and other auditory it's media any anything that uses audio to try and help tell a narrative is gonna have it so you yeah like you said video games pretty clearly opera musicals oh absolutely um movies tv show uh, tv shows less depends on the kind of tv show the amount of production that goes into it is a big decider if it's if it's something like uh you know like a csi kind of show maybe less so you'll have your main theme but that might be the only the only thing but if you if you're going more of like a like a Last of Us or a House of the Dragon or Game of Thrones or whatever, like one of those higher budget cinematic TV shows. Yeah, the the ones that are like you know a million dollars an episode or whatever. It's God. That those are the ones that'll likely have more consistent musical, um, and just more more narratively written music. Yeah. To go back to like Up, your example of Up. Mm-hmm. When we're watching at the start of Up, when we're watching that, uh, you know, that little little compilation or whatever of uh, Fredrickson and Ellie or Frederick and Ellie's life. Yeah. Most of that uh, that married life theme. I think that's what it's called. Married life is the name of the track. Yeah. yeah. Um, most of that up until Ellie, like up until the, the, the emotion turn is done in like a muted trumpet. Mm hmm. So it sounds, it it gives it like kind of like a, kind of like a twenties vibe almost. Yeah. Uh, and it's like it's very fun, and it's very cute, and it's like oh look at these two people falling in love, um, but then sad stuff hits, and then Ellie dies. Yeah. Spoiler alert for up. <laughs> um. It's good that you get the spoiler in and after doing the spoiler. That's the important bit. Well, yeah. Um. Uh, 
so then once 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 Ellie dies, then it changes to piano. And it's like a solo piano. And that is it's the same theme. It's the same notes. But now it's just this solo piano playing playing a bit slower, a bit more methodically and a bit more sad. Yeah. The theme has stayed the same, but by putting it into a new context, exactly. it changes and has that extra impact. Which is why now all I need to do is hear the one chord on a piano that that song is played in, that that little theme is played in, and I'm already, like, fighting back tears. Yeah. It's like, that's that's the power of music. That's why That's why we use it to help tell stories, especially emotional stories.